Welcome to the Seek First podcast with Steve and Jordan. This is a podcast about seeking first the kingdom of God where we work, live, and play. The content of each podcast will correspond to the current sermon series at Ontario Christian Church, current events that rise up, and also to the church calendar. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to episode 13 of season two of the Seek First podcast. We are uh, entering week three of our series on suffering. We're talking about part three today. Last time we talked, we talked about who or where is God when we suffer. We made three points to kind of frame our conversation. We said that God is aware that I will suffer and encourages me to take heart. We said God has suffered and so is able to help me in my suffering. And the third point we made was that God comforts us in our suffering. I really enjoyed our conversation last time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I believe it was helpful, and it uh, seems like a lot of people enjoyed it as well. And so we kind of want to talk today is we know that those three things are true, mm-hmm. and, and there's there's other things that are true about God when we suffer too, that, mm-hmm. that he's good. Um, even when I experience hardship or pain, or suffer in this life. But what do we do when it doesn't feel like God is or does those things? Like, what do I do when I'm suffering? I'm going through something that's difficult, and I know for a fact that God is a God of comfort, but I don't feel like God is a God of comfort, or I don't feel his comforting presence. Mm-hmm. Um, what do we do when we are suffering and he seems far away when we find ourselves in a gap between what we know to be true about him and then on the other hand, what my experience is. When, my, when what I experience doesn't affirm or validate what I know to be true about God, mm-hmm. what do I do in that gap? And so today we're going to be talking about praying while suffering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> the specific piece being that this is one of many different ways, right? And so we mm-hmm. will be focusing specifically on uh, calling out to God in prayer. And our first one is going to be Psalm 13, uh, the prayer of lament. Um, and I'll go ahead and read Psalm 13, and we'll Great. go from there. Yeah, how long, O Lord, to the choir master, a Psalm of David? How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully bountifully with me. And so this specific piece being uh, David crying out to the Lord, laying down his heart before God, asking hard questions, as we talked about a little bit Sunday in Sunday school and in their gathering. And being open to the fact that God can handle these questions and that God is ultimately does desire to know our thoughts, but also, most importantly, our heart, where we're at, why we're there, and that God is big enough for us to, to ask these questions. So what are some of your thoughts? I have some things I want to get into when it comes to the lament. Uh, but what are your th- thoughts about this uh, specific psalm? Yeah, um, I think just the fact that David engages God <laughs> in his pain and suffering, mm-hmm. um, like even the language of, of the gap language of there's a gap between what I know to be true about God and what I experience. Mm-hmm. David says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long, O Lord, will you hide your face from me? And he's what he's doing is he's uh, 
kind of taking his felt absence of God and putting it in a question form back to God in prayer. Um, he's, he's putting his suffering to words. Mm-hmm. David and other Psalms will say, um, if I go to Sheol, you are there. If I ascend to the heavens, you are there. David knows mm-hmm. that God is everywhere. Mm-hmm. David knows that there is no place that God is not. Yet when David feels like God has abandoned him based off of the circumstances in his life and what's going on in his heart, he's not afraid to ask these questions. Um, and it actually engages the Lord in uh, right in his pain and suffering. Mm-hmm. So I just um, I think we don't feel like we can pray like this. Right. Um, we think that this is an unacceptable or irreverent or somehow um, blasphemous maybe way to approach God. Like it's invalidating the theological truths that I hold so dearly. Um, and I understand that, but this is in the Bible. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's in the inspired word of God. God allowed these Psalms, which actually the lament Psalms make up one third of the Psalm, the book of Psalms. Mm-hmm. Um, he allowed them to be in, part of the inspired, inerrant, and authoritative word of God to be a means by which we engage him um, in prayer while we suffer and while we experience hardship. So we can pray this way to him, and it is something he does hear and doesn't turn away or doesn't rebuke. Um, And so I think just knowing that we have that freedom when I experience the, the gap between what I know to be true about him and what my experience is, that gap can be filled with lament. Yeah, and as reading verse 2, uh, how long must I take counsel in my soul mm. and have sorrow in my heart all the day? And so this is obviously a state that many of us feel that we've been in before where we just think about and consider and pray and mm. just maybe don't write it out like David does, which is what we're going to get to as part of the prayer is just writing it out, getting it out of you. And a lot of times that's what prayer is, is us mm-hmm. getting us out of us, getting the thought out of our heads long enough to understand and seek the Lord and see it on paper, just as uh, David would have sung this. So it would have been a song. Mm. Like, how about we sing this Sunday? It's a special yeah. song, you know? Um, and so the fact that he he's confessing to us what we do, we take counsel in our souls. Like, why do I feel this way? Like, why are these things happening deep down inside of himself? And is running them through and processing them and considering it, and then brings it before God in this fashion. So uh, I like the fact that I do this. I don't know if I'm assuming most people do. You think about what's going on in the world. Think about what's mm-hmm. going on in your life. Uh, and you you ask yourself, why do I feel this way? Why do, why do I view it this way? Uh, introspection asks specific questions um, about how I'm responding to um, the negative things that are happening around me. And so he's, he's acknowledging to God, how long do I have to continue to keep this inside? Like how, mm. is there not a way for me to process this with you, Lord? And so, and by using those words, it's almost as if he's saying, um, I, I can't keep this only in me anymore. Mm-hmm. I need to bring this before you. I need to think about what you are doing in the midst of this as well. Um, but he's in his, his complaint is how long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Mm. Uh, which I'm sure we've all felt that at some point of our lives as well. And so he's basically bringing this before the father and saying, you know, God, this just doesn't seem right. And I've, I've dealt with it. I've struggled with it. I've thought about it. I've processed it, but I need, I need to process it with you. And I think that's one of the things, um, for those of us that maybe are more introspective and struggle to process things out loud at times, we get trapped in our own minds. And it, mm. we can't get beyond it because the injustices are still prevalent. They're around us. And so we become very internally focused. And you can kind of feel that pressure or tension right here. Mm. Keeping in mind, who is David? <laughs> He's the king. Who's right. the king talk to? He only has a few 
trusted friends. You can't talk to just anybody. And so depending on who you are, uh, you know, where you're at in life, you may feel this way as well. Like there's nobody I can talk to. Like mm-hmm. nobody will understand what I'm going through. Um, and so I like that in that tension, even, uh, he's saying, I've thought about it. I've dealt with it, but I need to bring it before you. That's kind of where verse two lies with me. But sure. Going further, what do you see in three, four, five, six? Obviously, there's a big shift that occurs here. Sure. He says, consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say I've prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. This uh, That almost reads like a threat. Like this does, is what's right? going to happen yeah. if you don't answer me. Yep. Um, and I think that's another way of like, we don't think that we can pray like that. Mm-hmm. We don't think that we can talk to God like that. And I, I understand the like, obviously God is holy and mm-hmm. we want to be reverent to him. Absolutely. And God is good mm-hmm. and he is sovereign. But it's kind of touches on what we talked about last week. We can come to understand God in such a mechanistic way mm. that we treat his sovereignty as a justification for everything I experience in mm-hmm. my life. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean, I, I just mean that like, like I can't be upset about something because God's sovereign and he works all things together for good for those who love him. And that's true. But maybe part of that is me wrestling with him mm-hmm. through my pain and suffering, right. through the heartache and not just being like, Oh, it's good. And just shoving down everything that goes on in my soul. To me, we shortchange the process of God working us out of us when we do just kind of like shove everything down and Mm -hmm. don't cry out to him like this Mm -hmm. because it's in the wrestling. It's through the wrestling that God does his work. Um, And so David cries out, consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. The implication there is that maybe David has been crying out and he doesn't feel like God has been answering Mm -hmm. him or God hasn't. God feels quiet sometimes when we suffer. Right. Definitely. Silent. Yep. Yeah. Very. I don't like that feeling. No, not at all. Like you're talking to somebody and they're ignoring you completely. That is no yeah. fun. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and then to 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 like that for that to be my experience with God, the one who has saved my soul, the mm-hmm. one who's called me his own, the one who's invited me to call him father mm-hmm. and to be forever welcomed into his presence. Mm-hmm. But then when his presence doesn't seem like it's there, um, and I feel like he's not paying attention or he's gone quiet on me when I'm suffering. Mm -hmm. So that's why David says, consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Um, So that's what kind of stands out to me in those. What about you? Yeah, I think the irony is is that it also is a confession of faith. Why pray to somebody you don't think will answer? Right. And so it does reveal the fact that David does believe God will answer, otherwise he wouldn't be crying out to him. Mm. And so it's uh, just keeping that in mind as well, that to feel weak or to feel like we're not getting those answers crying out to God is an act of faith. Mm. And so we see his faith in action here, uh, even though it looks like doubt. Right. You know, it is faith. And so he's 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 crying out to God, I need to see this. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. I need to see. I need an answer. Um, and he, he wants God's name to ultimately be praised. We see that later. And and I won't get ahead of myself, but he's, he, he's basically saying either the enemy's going to win, God, or you're going to win. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm stuck in the middle of this thing. <laughs> and so please help me to be able to glorify your name uh, because the worst thing that could happen right now is for the enemy to win. And like you said, um, God gives us, he's big enough to handle this and he gives us the right at times to do this so that we can grow. Right. He doesn't need to grow. He's doing this. He's allowing us this bandwidth uh, to struggle so that we can grow in our understanding and uh, have a testimony 
to be able to testify about who God is uh, in our long suffering as well. Mm. So, yeah, anything in five and six or any other thoughts on that? Just a just a quick thought. We've said this before, but if somebody started praying like this during community group or something, mm-hmm. we would all probably look at them a little odd. Hmm. We'd be like, what's wrong with this person? Mm-hmm. They need counseling. Or mm. what's wrong with this person? Are they even a Christian? Or all the thoughts, the inner dialogue that would go on. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think at face value, we think prayer like this somehow doubts God's sovereignty or his goodness. Mm-hmm. But like what you just said, it takes faith to mm-hmm. pray like this. And we pointed this out, I think, last week when we talked about who is God. God is so good, mm-hmm. and we believe so much in his sovereignty <laughs> that we can pray like this, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that we can cry out to him, mm-hmm. uh, that we can ask him these questions. Um, and so just I think it's important to make that distinction, um, that the the inner dialogue that would go on if we hear someone praying like this, what we're saying is that he is good and he mm-hmm. is sovereign, and that's why we can pray like this. Yes, absolutely. So, um, but definitely he turns a corner in five and this happens a lot in, in the Psalms. It ends with a declaration of trust and he says, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. Uh, my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. And so any thoughts on that? Just kind of as David in these last two verses, uh, kind of declares his trust in the Lord. Yeah, that's the beauty of this specific psalm mm-hmm. is that he comes full circle. He doesn't always do this, as we're no. going to see shortly, you yep. know. Uh, but in this one, he does come full circle. So doubt uh, is replaced. Well, feeling as if um, the long suffering has gone on and gone on and mm. gone on, and then he he shows us the the, the other side of the narrative, mm. which is God's steadfast love. So in spite of what is happening, we don't know how patient God is being for our enemy. Mm. And for their sake, mm-hmm. even, you know, in, in, in our specific situation, he's very concerned, obviously, and we have a God we can turn to, but mm. I don't know what he's doing with the enemy's heart and mind and life right now either. Right. Maybe he's waiting for them or patiently enduring what's going on for their sake. It's a steadfast love at times that we have to set it, settle into. And my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. So he's already proclaiming. He already understands. Positionally, he's there. Mm-hmm. Positionally, it's done. He understands that salvation is in the Lord. Um, but in, in this specific timeline, he's also going, but I don't see it, but I'm going to trust. I will trust that uh, positionally this is already accomplished. Mm. And he says, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with him. So he reminds himself of God's goodness in the midst of all that as well. Mm-hmm. And then turns his heart towards praise. So, right. Yeah. Thoughts? And I, I think six is even like, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Uh, like that might even be pastimes or God has come through and answered right. prayer or the good things mm-hmm. that the Lord has given him. And so um, he ends there because of that, reminding himself of that. Uh, Mm -hmm. Just a quote before we move on. Mm -hmm. Um, We see this uh, kind of this, this back and forth between like pain and praise. So like my admission of my pain and then my declaration of my praise. Mm -hmm. Um, And in the book that we've been uh, working with a little bit, just certain, certain uh, chapters, uh, on a cha- in a chapter on lament, Dr. Andrew Schmutzer writes, without pain, praise is thin and half-hearted. And so the idea there is like, if we circumvent the process, if we just kind of move to praise, even though we don't really mean it, if we don't wrestle with God to the things that we need to wrestle with him through, praise feels thin and half-hearted. 
But then the other side of the same coin is, but without praise, pain seems fatal and unbearable. So if David doesn't turn that corner, it just kind of feels like doom. It doesn't doesn't move from there. Mm-hmm. So it's a need for both. And um, he, uh, I got to take uh, class on the Psalms from the guys who wrote this book. And one of the things I remember is talking about how in the Psalms, uh, there's this arc of pain to praise. Like David works through his junk whenever he needs to, and then he ends up at a place of praise because he's wrestled through it with the Lord. He's laid his heart bare before the Lord. He's let God work in him in those things. Um, and also acknowledge the questions that we often don't want to acknowledge. Um, and then he, he the, the way they talked about it was that you almost enter a prize of praise because mm-hmm. we've sat in the pain of lament. Mm-hmm. We've seen the goodness of the Lord in the darkness of our lives in spite of the darkness. And it's not even necessarily that he removes the darkness, but he comes and meets us in the darkness and he speaks to us and he comforts us and um, kind of invoking him and crying out to him can cause him to move in those ways. So I just thought that was helpful. Yeah. I wish I had the text right now. It's in my sermon notes. Um, I actually cut the specific passage off to find it, but it says God created light. No, God formed light and then darkness was created. Mm. And so just in the reality that God makes what is good, but it also then highlights the, the evil Mm. as well. Mm -hmm. So, Mm. um, just keeping that in mind. Yeah. In order to have good, you have to, to truly experience good and goodness, there has to be, unfortunately, until the Lord returns, the antithesis, uh, mm-hmm. the opposite of that present. Mm-hmm. And how, how, yeah, we'll stop there. Mm. I, I could ramble on about it. It wouldn't be helpful. Sure. <laughs> sure. I, not, not sure as in, I think your rambles are more helpful uh, than you give yourself credit that's for. That's good. Psalm 88. You ready? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Let's okay. do it. Um, and so we have permission to name exactly how it is that we feel to God. And so, uh, pulling, and I'm going to, I'm going to read it and you can, you can begin sharing. Cause I know you put a lot of thought into Psalm 88, but <clears throat> Psalm 88, we're going to jump to three, uh, for my soul is full of troubles and my life draws near to Sheol. Uh, that's a pretty rough state, uh, the, that, mm. that he's in at this point, mm-hmm. struggling hard in verse eight. Uh, and nine, you've caused my companions to shun me. You've made me a horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape, feeling trapped. My eyes grow dim through sorrow. So you see this just really deep heaviness uh, that is being expressed from external sources pressing down, uh, people shunning, which is where you find your acceptance. And so if they're not around and they're not accepting you, uh, loneliness, isolation, just really, really bad state of being. And then jumping down to verse 13, uh, but I, O Lord, cry to you in the morning. My prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I am helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me together. You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. Hmm. It ends there. It ends there. It's kind of like Jonah. <clears throat> yeah, a little bit. Um, you think when you where you picked it up in verse thirteen, you think he's about to turn a point. Yes. Yeah. Right. If if you've read other Psalms of lament, you think okay, he's engaged God with his suffering. He's brought a a kind of language to the pain that he feels. 
and he's able to voice it. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't turn. Mm-hmm. He goes, but I, Lord, cry to you. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. And he goes right back to, oh, Lord, why do you cast yeah. my soul yeah. away? Yep. Um, and I think we don't like to talk about suffering and pain. You kind of said, like, what if what if we sang Psalm 13 on mm-hmm. Sunday morning? Mm-hmm. We, we don't we don't like to uh, think about that. Um, we don't. Pain isn't a great thing to preach on or mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily make everybody want to listen uh, but we all have pain it's universal it's very universal yeah. it is like sin and pain are like some of the only universal mm-hmm. things anymore mm-hmm. because we will all experience it um this is this psalm actually has come to kind of be known or labeled as the dark night of the soul mm-hmm. kind of throughout church history um and the point here is <laughs> you'll go through times in your life hopefully not many um, but you will experience something like this where you just feel utterly hopeless. Um, it feels like God is far away. Things have happened as, as you kind of said, like there's these external sources pressing in on the psalmist here. I mean, you're crying out and you're crying out and you're crying out and you feel like you're just hitting your head on a wall. You feel like God's not listening. You feel like he's not there. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. This made it into the canon of Scripture. Mm-hmm. This is an inspired psalm. And I, I love thinking about the psalms in this way. Uh, there's a book on the psalms, and there's there's all these different uh, writings in the book, chapters, different contributors from different uh, authors and voices. And But the subtitle of the book is A Language for Every Season of the Soul. Um, and that's what the psalms are. The psalms give us language for every season of the soul. Um, and maybe you've been in a dark night of a soul, or m- maybe you will be. And this is a psalm that we can turn to, um, <laughs> for lack of better word, to to draw God or to inv- invite God to how it is and how we feel and what's going on. Um, and so, yeah, what are your thoughts? Well, I want to jump to how to how to minister to somebody in this, but that's next week's podcast. So I'm Mm -hmm. looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, Because I think our knee jerk reaction is to force somebody into hope in this moment. Like Mm. you've got to get hope, which is uh, true. Um, But when you read this, what you find is this person, uh, the author is really struggling with life. And like you said, it doesn't conclude in a positive note this time yet. Right. And right. so being patient with one another as, as people process. And I, I was, I say that because I don't want to get ahead of that's next week, but I guess to say, be patient with yourself mm-hmm. at, with this as well, like be okay. Um, when this season does hit you, uh, one thing that, that I used to do a lot of, I do less now, uh, would be having people write their song of lament or Psalm of lament, um, and I think we've talked about this in the past, uh, and it would be, um, unedited, you know, unfiltered, uh, where, what is your current state of heart and mind? Um, and we're fearful to do it cause we filter everything and, and rightfully so externally mm-hmm. you should filter, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, but internally there are certain times when we need to come to grips with what's actually going on in our hearts and our mind and it needs to be unfiltered. And this is pretty unfiltered. Very, this song yeah. is pretty unfiltered. If you read the whole thing, we don't have time today to do that, but, um, 
But God can handle that. God can handle. He already knows your unfiltered thoughts. Mm-hmm. He already knows your unfiltered questions. Uh, and so in this case, uh, one thing that we would do sometimes is have somebody write this thing down, write down what's going on in your head and heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that we can see it because a lot of people are afraid to. Um, and they're afraid to, to complete that thought sometimes. Um, but inviting them to do so, to write it down and kind of see it. And uh, it helps us to process that that dark night of the soul. Mm. Um, and so, yes, either you're going to go through this or you're going to be with somebody that does. And next we're going to talk about how to walk with somebody through some of these things. Mm. Um, but this is a state of being that occurs. Yeah. For sure. And God is still God. And mm. he can still handle it. And, um, and it, it may feel like it's about to be a thousand years of our life in that state of being. Mm. Um but rest assured, it's a season, mm-hmm. and and so the Lord the Lord will will show up. Mm. So, absolutely. Which we don't want to leave everybody in a total state of brokenness here. So right, right. Um, but there there is a, a wonderful answer to some of this. Mm-hmm. So go ahead and jump us through into that that yeah. stage. Yeah. So we have the benefit on this side of the cross and this side of the resurrection uh, to know what God has done and accomplished as in Jesus mm-hmm. and what, what Jesus has done. And, and, and also I think there's a, there's a tendency, especially we've been in church for a long time when we say things that are like maybe more, not scandalous, but they sound it like, Oh, you can talk to God this way. Mm-hmm. We go. Yeah. But yeah, but mm. yeah, but Jesus prayed this way. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that is both, a re- this is both a response to all the yeah buts that we would want to say about this way of praying, but it's also, this can be a balm for our soul because our Savior literally experienced this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're going to pick up Matthew 26, uh, verses 36 through 46. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, Father, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So you could not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again a second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, let your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went and prayed for the third time, saying the words, saying the same words again. And he came to his disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hand of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Hmm. What jumps out to you there? Well, our Savior was went through the dark night of the soul, mm. um, revealing the human aspect. And, and God knows all. Jesus knew the end of the mission, right? Mm-hmm. And even in this moment, the the feeling of abandonment or the the, the heap of burden that he would be bearing um, is just immense. Um, and so, 
I take comfort in the fact that Jesus cries out, you know, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Mm. And so here we have a confession, I guess, of sorts in some ways of Mm -hmm. uh, if this seems overwhelming, Mm. you know, unto death, he says, you know, sorrowful and troubled unto death. Um, And so I can't imagine what, what weight he was bearing in that moment. Uh, but Jesus models or reveals that he understands where we're at in the midst of us. That's what mm. initially jumps out to me. Your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, if we're going to kind of use the same language we used at the beginning, if we're talking about praying while suffering as a response to what we do when there's a gap between what I know to be true about God and what my experience is, Jesus mm-hmm. is right there. Mm-hmm. And just a chapter later in, in Matthew 27, Jesus is on the cross and he takes the words. We didn't get into this psalm today, but in Psalm 22, I believe it's David who writes, My God, my God, why mm-hmm. have you forsaken mm-hmm. me? Mm-hmm. Jesus says that to his own father mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as he's saving the world. This has been the plan, right? Jesus mm-hmm. knows, mm-hmm. but in that moment, Jesus cries out because he feels like God has forsaken him. Um and he's 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 taking what he's experiencing and he's putting it into language and offering it back to his father. Um, and our point here is like Jesus is our mediator, and he he's gone before us and he knows what it's like to be us, to feel that gap, to feel the tension, um, to experience, as you said, the dark night of the soul. Um, and in that space, uh, to take what I am experiencing, put language to it, and offer it back to God. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, there's a quote from Cecilia Bernhard from an article on CCF, mm-hmm. which is called What is God Up To? Uh, it's a recent article from July of this year. Um, and she says his silence, quote unquote, is not a sign that he does not hear or does not care. Mm. He may be saying no or not yet to what we are asking, but we can be sure that he loves us, is for us and understands what is going on in our lives. As with any relationship, as we get to know God better, we will come to trust him to care for us, even if he seems to be silent in the face of our pleas to relieve mm-hmm. suffering. And so I just think of that quote when I think about what Jesus uh, is going through. He's, like he said, the son, part of the Godhead. Um, he knows God better. He's part of it. He knows who he is mm-hmm. and uh, who the father is. Um, <clears throat> and so his confession or prayer in that moment gives me hope to know that as our mediator, he understands where we're at when we're crying out with no hope mm-hmm. and in our suffering. Um, and that when we get through this in time, uh, we can, we learn to trust God even more with even more suffering. That's the irony, mm. you right. know, right. I can trust him even more now with my broken heart. And so mm. I, I'm less likely to, to withhold con- confrontation mm. on it. I, I'm more likely to deal with it mm-hmm. as I've seen that he eventually does answer. And so I can trust him more with, Oh, my suffering and brokenness. And so I'm grateful that Jesus is our mediator. Mm-hmm. He's the one that's, you know, between us and the Father and, and helping to, uh, and this Holy Spirit helping to deal with those groans and moans that just don't have an answer at mm-hmm. times. And so praise God that God was willing to meet us in our brokenness mm-hmm. in, the, in that state. So those are just a quote I wanted to make sure I got into here. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, suffering has a way of, at times taking our words. And I think because we try to be good Christians, that makes us feel guilty at times. Mm -hmm. And that we do not need to feel guilty for that. Life is hard. 
suffering is really hard. That's why it's called suffering. Mm-hmm. And it's normal. Um, not in the sense that it's normal. We shouldn't feel like it's a big deal. It's normal in the fact that it, it happens. And it, as we have already talked about, it doesn't always come from our own faults. Um, but one thing I, I, I liked about that quote is it, it kind of brings another thing into the conversation. Uh, and, and that is like, sometimes prayer does go unanswered and sometimes that's even hard. And so this also brings into conversation. What if we've suffered a great deal at the hands of an, an, an unanswered prayer, you know, asking for healing for a loved one and God doesn't do it or asking for relief from suffering and God doesn't do it. But the point that she made that you read is we'll come to trust him to care for us, even if he seems to be silent Mm -hmm. in the face of our pleas to relieve suffering. And so something we wrote just kind of at the end of this is at the end of the day, if we don't feel like God is these things and what we mean by those, these things is that uh, the three things we said at the top that he, he brings comfort, Mm -hmm. uh, that he knows what it's like to suffer and so can sympathize with us. And also that, um, He's aware and he encourages us to take heart. So if at the end of the day, we don't feel like God is these things when we suffer, it doesn't change the fact that he still is those Mm -hmm. things. It is because of that, that we can lament Mm -hmm. and also that we can rest Mm -hmm. when he seems to not be answering. It's good. So his goodness and our sovereign and his sovereignty is a firm place for us to both lament and rest. Okay. And as we conclude uh, those thoughts and this, specific episode uh, we're going to also include a song at the end of this podcast for you to listen to uh, the song was something i played this last sunday as part of our gathering as just kind of a time of reflection and we want you to listen to it and listen to the words and the the invitation that's made basically to uh, to bring our suffering before god and it's possible while you're listening to this song that you may say you know what i need to write my own lament and maybe you need to pause at the end of it and uh, take some time and just cry out to god just write out your prayer and uh, just bring your suffering to the Lord and the situation that's going on. He already knows your thoughts, uh, but maybe it'll help you to just kind of understand what's happening inside of you. Uh, or it may be possible that you need to sit with somebody else while they do this for their own sake and their own walk. Uh, so take a listen to the song. We thank the author for sharing it with us. The links are provided below uh, to support his ministry as well. Um, but just be blessed. And next week we'll be talking about how to walk with one another uh, through suffering. So please join us next week. I am on the sinking sand In the storm is close at hand And all my anxious fear and worry They surround me And like a flood The hurt rushes in I am on The troubled sea The restless waves Underneath my feet Though the waters rise around And my faith sinks within me I'm not too far From mercy's reach When my hopes Are dying in Won't you remind me So I remember Oh rock eternal Oh God of ages Your name
Then songs can sing Through every struggle The trials and changes Thy glory guide me In perfect peace I am on The desert sand Endless miles from the promised land Everything that is within me Longs to know just where you'll lead Oh, the trust when I don't understand When my hopes are dying in Won't you remind me so I remember Oh rock eternal Oh God of angels Your name is higher Than songs can sing Through every struggle The trials and changes Thy glory guide me In perfect Storm through the fire Oh, the depths of peace I don't understand I can't understand Every hurt, every fear, every trial On your strength alone, Lord, I Trials and changes Thy glory 